0: Hello, and welcome to the Benefits Compliance Podcast. I'm Chase Cannon, and I'm here today with my colleague, Jill Brooking. We are both members of the NFP Benefits Compliance and Legal Team, and we're here on this podcast to break down many of the issues that uh, employers face with regard to their group health plans and and, and compliance. Jill, uh, we've made history, all of us. We are now in the middle of the longest government shutdown in history. Yes. The news is full of stories about how that is impacting travel, various services, and how it impacts people across the country. Uh, But many of our employers are asking questions about how this shutdown impacts employee benefits. So let's bring this home. Give us an intro here on, on what this means for employers.
1: Yes, thanks. I'm happy to be here because this is an important issue. Employers who have government contractors specifically, they now have employees who haven't been working. Some of the employers we've heard, they're continuing salary for a short period of time, and then some employees are using their accrued paid time off. Um, But as this shutdown continues, that's going to be exhausted and we will be seeing more employees not receiving a paycheck. Many of them are not now. So it's important to understand how those things impact their eligibility for the group health plan.
0: Right. So let's get to that eligibility issue. When salary is being continued or paid time off, vacation time is being used eligibility generally continues and the employer is still able to make the benefit deductions from the paycheck to pay the premiums. But once an employee is no longer working, they're no longer receiving a paycheck, they become absent from work without pay. And obviously, most employer plans have requirements of being at work or having some employee active participation for plan eligibility. So let's talk about that. How might their absence impact eligibility for the employer group health plan?
1: Yeah, because it typically is tied to work hours or hours of service. So the first step is always going to be for the employer to look at the plan documents governing the plan, particularly the summary plan description or SPD. This document is required to lay out the rules of eligibility, and so look at it. What does it say? Who is eligible for coverage? For medical, dental, and vision, The typical language says something like regular full-time employees regularly scheduled to work x number of hours per week are eligible and that generally includes any compensable hours even though we say work x hours such as pto vacation etc so that would mean someone not working x hours with no compensable time they're generally not going to be eligible for coverage. But you also have to look for special provisions regarding unpaid leaves of absence. And that's basically what we have with this furlough, an unpaid leave of absence. The document for a large employer, you'll see things for FMLA and of course, you have to continue eligibility during that time, this type of furlough is not FMLA, but you could look in that same section of the plan document to see if there is a provision for a short continuance of coverage for non-medical unpaid leaves of absence. I've seen some that say 30 days. On the higher end, it might be 90 days, This is not a typical or standard provision, though.
0: Right, but it's something that perhaps a government contractor has thought about ahead of time. Right. The nature of the work might have uh, prodded them to put something like this in the plan documents or in their discussions with the carrier. So the first thing, look at the plan document and follow those terms. As you mentioned, there could be this provision in the contract relating to continued eligibility. Um, during a furlough or unpaid absence. We haven't had a conversation uh, ever, Jill, about (laughs) benefits without, at least in the last uh, nine years, without talking about the ACA. So talk about that, how does that impact things here?
1: That's right, we always have to be like, and what's the ACA say? So, good point, Um, but let me first say a reminder, when we talk about the Affordable Care Act, ACA, we're primarily talking about medical coverage. And so for dental, vision, life, short-term, long-term disability, the plan, document, and contracts for those, they're gonna be the determinants. Um, But with the ACA and medical coverage, a large employer who is subject to the employer mandate and uses the look-back measurement method to determine eligibility, you need to remember that an employee who has been determined to be full-time in the previous measurement period, they're going to be eligible during the entire associated stability period because it's based on the number of hours they worked previously. So even if they're not currently working any compensable hours. They're going to be eligible through the entire
0: stability period. Right. So their full-time status is locked in during that stability period, regardless of whether there's a furlough, regardless of whether they are otherwise absent from work. So let's take that employee who's locked in for the stability period or any other employee, I guess that's out um, on this furlough, but it remains eligible. They're not receiving a paycheck, but they have this continued eligibility because of this Obligation to offer coverage or the special provision in the plan document uh, that they're in a stability period. How does the employer obtain premium contributions from that employee?
1: So, there are no rules specific to this exact situation, but typically employers may follow what's FMLA like rules. And so, the rules when someone is on FMLA and not receiving a paycheck, those say that an employer may request payment during the leave, in this case, furlough period. And the employee would typically pay by check. And the employer could require payment per pay period or per month. Either of those methods is fine. Um, Of course, the employer has to tell the employee, and we would say in writing, the payment process, the due dates, amounts, how would they get that to you? And then the second option for an employer is they could front those employees, uh, employee premiums for the period of time that they're out and they allow the employee to pay upon return. But of course, this is always going to get risky for an employer, especially in a situation like this when we don't know the end date of the shutdown.
0: Right. The employer is going out a little bit on the limb there by paying up front and then expecting some type of payment when we don't know what the future looks like. Mm hmm. So that's great for um, those employees that are in that situation. Let's talk about employers who don't have special unpaid leave provisions or who didn't use a look back measurement method. Uh, or period to determine eligibility, that's probably the majority of employers. So under those terms, the employees who are not at work and not receiving a paycheck will lose eligibility under the plan at some point, whether that's at the end of the month or uh, 30 or 60 to 90 days, as you mentioned earlier, Um, the employer will terminate coverage for those individuals and offer COBRA for a reduction in hours. But what if an employer wants to be generous and continue the coverage anyway?
1: Yeah, and I agree. This is probably going to be the situation where most of our employers are at. The employees are not going to be eligible. They're looking at terminating their coverage. They're uncomfortable with that idea, mm-hmm. and so some of them do want to do it anyway, and, well, let's just continue them. The problem is that if you do that, if the plan document does not allow for continued eligibility and the employer does it anyway— it could be an ERISA fiduciary violation because it is a violation of your ERISA fiduciary obligations to operate the plan in a manner that is in discord with the plan document. You have to follow the plan document. There are also insurance contracts and stop loss contracts that you have to follow. So if an employer continues eligibility for an ineligible participant, the carrier could discover this, deny claims, and then that results with the employer self-insuring all the claims. So while we can certainly understand this desire to be generous, a better practice is going to be for an employer to subsidize the COBRA payments for the impacted employees. And you can say it's going to be for a certain period of time if you, you know, just want to say three months or six months or two months or just month by month.
0: Right. This is a little bit counterintuitive for an employer because they in their mind, they're just thinking, I want to be nice here. I want to be generous and continue eligibility. And they, they think they're doing a good thing. Whereas you just mentioned a right. few reasons why they could get in trouble that by doing that. So the better option is to comply with the plan document with respect to eligibility, uh, follow carrier contracts, and get the COBRA uh, clock started. Another important point here, Jill, I think for employers and employees to remember is that when the coverage is lost, that actually creates a special enrollment period in the exchange for that employee. So impacted employees would actually have 60 days to purchase coverage in the exchange. So that's an interesting kind of side option for Mm -hmm. employees. Uh, Let's discuss next what happens when the shutdown is over and work and paychecks resume, assuming that um, employees have been terminated from coverage and COBRA offered.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, because the ones that never lost eligibility, they're easy. They come back, and if you were paying their premiums, then you work to get their premiums deducted from their paychecks. But the employees who lost eligibility for coverage during the unpaid furlough, and this gets pretty technical. I'm going to try to explain it in a short way, but if the time that they were out, if the unpaid furlough or leave of absence period is less than 30 days, then the employee returns to the exact same eligibility and coverage they had before. They can't make a different pre-tax election under Section 125. They have no new waiting period. They just come back. And so this could apply, even though the shutdown's been more than 30 days now, it could apply if an employer continued salary for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And so the rule say, if the unpaid leave of absence is more than thirty days um, for a small employer who's not subject to the employer mandate, because again, always talking about the ACA, they need to look at their plan documents and contracts, including the section one twenty five plan document, and then see how eligibility would be handled upon return um, because there really are there's no rules about that. You'll just have to look at the plan document large employers who are subject to the employer mandate need to follow what's called the 13-week rule regarding rehires so if an employee returns after 30 days but within 13 weeks their eligibility continues no new waiting period applied but if the employer's section 125 plan document allows for it those employees would actually be allowed to make new elections upon return, so they could change plans. Maybe they want a cheaper plan now. Interesting. Yeah, but if the employee returns after 13 weeks of unpaid time, then the employer could treat them like a brand new employee with a new measurement or a new initial measurement period, a new waiting period. Um, so yeah, the the marks again are is the unpaid period of time more or less than 30 days, and more or less
0: than 13 weeks. Right, and the government shutdown were right around that 30-day mark, depending on when eligibility ended here Mm -hmm. and how long the shutdown goes, that 30 days could really come into play. Yes. And then obviously if we continue for a really long time, or if work doesn't pick back up for the government contractor immediately upon uh, the government uh, opening back up, you could get to that Mm 13-week threshold to consider. So certainly a lot to think about there for employers with the health plan Um, on the health plan side. And we hate to add more uh, wood to the fire here for employers, Jill. But let's talk a little bit about retirement plans.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, Employees that are not receiving pay of course, likely won't be making the contributions to the 401k plans, but that's not the only consideration. You have to remember employer contributions to the retirement plan. So if an employer makes matching contributions, okay, then there's nothing to match. But if they're making non-matching contributions, they again, always go back to this because we always go back to ERISA as well. They will need to look at the plan document to see how employer contributions are handled during unpaid leaves. And then they'll need to work with the plan providers in understanding how the furlough will impact vesting schedules and eligibility because, of course, eligibility investing is based on years of service.
0: Right. Gets back to the same thing. Mm
1: -hmm. And then the shutdown, as it goes on, um, it's going to be a longer period of time with a lot of employees with no paychecks. And so it's foreseeable that employers are going to see an uptick in furloughed employees wanting a plan loan or a hardship distribution. You might have some employees that already had a loan under the plan and you were making um, deductions from their paycheck on the loan repayments. And so, again, go back to the plan documents and see what the options are going to be, what's available to them, and then work with the record keepers on processing any new requests for loans or hardship distributions, if that's a possibility, or maybe temporarily suspending the loan repayments, again, if that's an option.
0: Right. So probably a, a reason for the employer to reach out and talk to the plan administrator as well Yes. to make sure... That, all the practices and administration of the retirement plan are consistent with the plan documents.
1: Same thing. You have an ERISA fiduciary right to follow the plan document.
0: Right. So, Jill, we're quite a ways into this shutdown. Um, These are all great things for employers to think about. In your um, crystal ball, how long are employers going to have to deal with this? When do we think the shutdown will end?
1: Whenever I make predictions, I'm always wrong. So maybe I should (laughs) say, oh, it's going to go on forever and ever. And then it will end even before we publish this podcast.
0: Right. (laughs) Pretty impossible to guess at this point. We've heard that they're settling in for a few votes tomorrow. Uh, which is Thursday. So we'll see if that happens, if that uh, resolves anything. But uh, these are great things for employers to keep in mind as the shutdown continues. Yes. And so uh, thanks for laying that out for us. And as we like to say say on the podcast, it's a wrap. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining us.